Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. This morning, we are in our Journey to Easter series. It's the last week before the culmination, which is Easter morning, uh, which we'll celebrate next week. So, this past summer... I was on my way from work to go to family dinner, to dinner with family out at a restaurant, and I stop at the gas station next to work, and I and I pump pump gas. I hurry up, get in the car, go to the go to the restaurant, and uh, you know we had pizza, so we eat pizza and we kind of have a good time. And then I go to go to reach for my wallet, and it's not there. And I'm thinking, where did it go? <laughs> Obviously. I just paid, I just got gas, right? I just paid for, I know that I just had it. I know, so then I'm retracing my steps. Okay, from the point where I got gas to the restaurant, like, where could I have put it? And so, so thankfully, my family was able to pay for, they probably would have anyways, but you know you go to reach for your wallet to, to, to gesture, like, oh, I can get it. Okay, no, thanks. Well, <laughs> That really, I didn't have the option this time. It was like, no, it wasn't there. So I had to go back, and I tried to retrace my steps. And at this point, the sun is like, setted. And so, good luck finding a wallet when it's dark out. And so I go to the gas station, and I'm, and I'm convinced still that, that I had taken out my wallet, pulled out the card, set the wallet on top of the car, because it's nowhere else. It's nowhere else I would have I found it if I hadn't. So I set it on top of the car, and then I got gas, and... Got back in. So then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I drove away and the wallet was still on top of the car. And then once I get to like 30, 40 miles an hour, then it flew off. And so I'm going up and down this like rural street thinking like, maybe it's here. And maybe if I turn on my brights, I can find it. Like this, this desperate, like I don't want to go through the hassle of having to find all the, having to like collect all the different things that are in my wallet and cancel the cards and get a new driver's license, which means they have to go to the dang place where it takes forever. So I never found it. I never found it. And then, I, uh, for Christmas, for Christmas, I, my, I would have never got this for myself, mind you. But my mom, who tries to take care of her children, thought that it would be great to get all of her children and their spouses, if they have them, one of these little things where if you click it, it rings... Your phone. Now I can turn this off. And I'm not getting paid to advertise this. But it's been very handy. And, and I, don't, I don't try to lose things. But when something's valuable, we, we don't want to lose it. In fact, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's so frustrating when we lose something that's valuable to us. True. Right? Yeah. Can we agree? Like If, we, if you lose something that, that you really don't want to lose then the, the, the urgency is felt to have to go try to find it. Yeah. To really have to, to look everywhere, call people who you think could help, and, and let's, let's get a search team together so we can go try to find this thing because this is important to me. This is valuable to me. And this computer keeps, free, keeps going down. Uh, sleep mode or whatever. So, yeah. It's charged. It's just... That's okay. So... This week, we're in, like I said, six, week six of, 
of this journey to Easter we've been taking, which is which has taken the whole season of Lent, forty days prior to Easter, and we've we've looked at each week some a different aspect of the Christian life and and how it points to the cross and how that thing is strengthened in community. This week is the idea of lose. We'll look at a passage in Matthew sixteen that talks about. Uh, what it means for us to lose our life in order, in order to find it. And I want to try to look at how what, what we value, when we lose something that we value, uh, it, 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 it's a big deal. And so when, when, we, when, we can, when we can take our value system and recognize that, that the value of Jesus is so much greater than the value that we can place on our own life, then we can actually find the life that He has for us through losing the life that we have. So, I want to look at this scene from Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, and we're going to track it all the way through verse 27. So it starts like this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He was asking His disciples, Hey, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist... And others, Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is an important answer for Peter to speak. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which just means son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, Peter just has received from the Lord Jesus an incredible word of affirmation. That he, he, Jesus has told Peter, you have received divine revelation. What, what you just said has come directly from the mouth of God. And so Peter's feeling like, I mean, I don't know about you. If you know anything about the love languages, there's this thing called words of affirmation. Where, it's too small to read. I'll read it for you. Actions, if you, if you receive love by, by people speaking words of affirmation over you, then, then what, Peter, what Jesus said to Peter was a big deal. And I think we can kind of discern through the Gospels that Peter really craves words of affirmation. It's not a guarantee, but I, I feel like it makes sense here. So with, if, if you receive love by people speaking encouragement or affirmation over you, actions don't always speak louder than words. This is your love language. Us unsolicited comments mean the world to you. Hearing the words, I love you, are important. Hearing the reasons behind that love sends your spirit skyward. Insults can leave you shattered and, you're, and are not easily forgotten. Kind, encouraging, and positive words are truly life-giving. So, I know that for me, I am a words of affirmation type of... Anyone, anyone kind of can say, oh, if, if, if I am encouraged, if someone encourages me, it's a big deal. Awesome. That's good. It's good to know because then your community can say, oh, I can know that I can love them by encouraging them. So if anyone wants to encourage Luke, please speak it to him. He receives that. 
overview. So, so I want to get back to this. So Jesus, there's, there's, this is a turning point in the Gospel of Matthew. Right? There's, a, there's this illusion happening that Jesus is, is, is the messianic figure, that he's, he's ushering in something new and fresh. He, he knows God. He's performing miracles. He's, he's healing people. He's, he's having these incredible teachings. But it's at this point in the Gospel of Matthew that things turn. And, 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 the, and the clarity of who Jesus is is revealed to the readers of Matthew and to, to the disciples. You are the Christ. You are the one we expect, we have longed for. You are the one that's going to deliver us. You are the one. You're the chosen one of God. So that's the revelation. That's the, that's now, now the, the, the page has been turned. The, the revelation, Jesus is the Christ. And then, verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So Peter, feeling encouraged, feeling a sense of vitality and boldness and authority from, from having Jesus having said, you have heard from God. Peter says, took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Right? I've received divine revelation once and I can receive it again. You are speaking in error. This may never happen to you. So, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. In the scene before, Jesus says to Peter, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. So my Father revealed this to you that I'm the Christ. And now the next scene, once Jesus, once this was revealed, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is, is the chosen one of Israel. Jesus says to Peter, You're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. So it, the, the, the thing it flips. He had received, Peter had received divine revelation that Jesus is the Christ. And that didn't, that didn't make sense for him then, for the Christ to, be, to have to suffer and die. But Jesus says, this is God's interest. This, this is the way of God. This is the, the will of God. It's for the Son of Man to suffer many things, be killed, and be raised up. Strong words of rebuke from Jesus to Peter. So then, the passage we want to focus on today, with that context in mind, is Matthew sixteen twenty four through twenty seven, which, which says, okay, with the revelation that I'm the Christ, that I'm the Messiah, this is the response. This is what it looks like to, to respond to that revelation. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and then will repay every man according to his deeds. So, 
I want to start just by with this if. This whole, this whole section here starts with a big if. Because, because what, he's, what he says is, if, this is, this is the road that I'm walking. What, I'm the Messiah. Okay, then Jesus began to tell him that he must suffer many things and be killed and then be raised. So if anyone wants to follow after me down this road that I'm walking, here's, here's, the, here's the road that I'm walking. It's the road of suffering, it's the road of death, and it's the road of resurrection at the end of that. If, if, if anyone wants to follow me down that road, this is what it's going to have to look like. So there's, there's, there's this invitation of if, and then, and, then, and then it's left to the disciples to say yay or nay, to say, yes, I want to follow you down that road, or no, I don't know if I can follow you down that road. No one can choose to follow Jesus for you. This is a decision that we all need to make, whether or not we want to, we, we, we want to follow Jesus. And then, and then Jesus tells us what it looks like to follow him. So we say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. Okay, now, now Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like to follow me. This is what it looks like. And he gives three commands. If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and they must follow me. So we'll just look at those in sequence here. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Renounce. Die to, in the sense of, I no longer am prioritizing my, my needs, my will, my, my, my own safety or, or security. I'm, 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 if I'm following Jesus, I'm denying myself. I'm denying the things that, 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 are, that are central to my, my own ways, my own selfish ambitions. And I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm setting that aside. And, I, and I'm following Jesus. This is, this, is, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because if, if we're to, to walk the road He is walking, and it's the road of it's the road to the cross, to, to, to death. It involves a necessary self-denial, not just for the sake of, of self-denial and, and, and removing yourself from any, any desires. Like that's, that's, that's sort of an Eastern religion, sort of Buddhist. Like I just want to not have any desires because, because desire is, is wrong. No, it's not self-denial for its own sake, but it's self-denial for the sake of following Jesus. It's, for this, it's to the end that I'm going to deny myself. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, Paul says. I'm going to deny myself and then so that I can follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus involves a death to your own will. He's inviting us all to follow, to follow Him this morning. And it involves losing our life. So, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross. What's interesting in this in this language, Jesus, this is like one of the most clear ways 
times in Scripture where Jesus says, this is what you must do to be my disciple or to follow me. We, we, hear, we hear from Jesus at several different points in Scripture, kind of descriptions of, of what it looks like to be a disciple and, and challenges that he gives them and teachings that he gives them. But these are three imperatives coming from Jesus to his disciples, like commands. You must deny yourself and you must take up your cross. Now, we read this and, and a lot of times it brings about sorts of confusion. Like, what, is that? what does he mean? What does Jesus mean when he says, take up your cross? Like, that's... Am I, am I, is Jesus calling me to be crucified? Like in the, in the same way that he's about to be crucified? And for the readers of Matthew, this is, this is all after the crucifixion. Like these are words Jesus is saying to his disciples before he's crucified. But for anyone who's reading Matthew's gospel, it's all happening after Jesus had already been crucified. And, the, and he's retelling the story. So a couple things about what the cross symbolized in that time. Obviously, for us, a cross is just unimaginable pain, and uh, just it's it's really hard to, to wrap our minds around what what sort of humiliation and pain was involved in in this sort of thing. The, the cross was was reserved for the for the most condemned criminals, like the worst of the worst, the people who who were who were to be publicly shamed. And, and particularly in, in the, Roman, the way the Romans used crucifixion, it was, it was for the purpose of shaming. For, more, more so than, more so than even, even the pain that it involved, it was, it was the, the epitome of, this is what it looks like to shame an individual. It's to, it's to crucify them. And there's a story, actually, uh, early in the, during the Roman Empire, of a, of a Roman senator who walking into the, the Senate meeting where there's some public present and, and, and one, of the, one of the people from the crowd shouts out an insult at the senator. And the Roman senator is unable to, to, come with, to, to formulate a comeback or, or something to, to say in response to, uh, to this, this insult. And so the, the shame, honor-shame honor system was so strong in this culture that the, that the senator... In, in returning home, actually killed himself because he couldn't bear the shame that he, they would have to carry. It was more honorable for him to kill himself than for him to walk back into a public setting where, uh, where he, would be, he would be seen as one who hadn't had something to say in response to, to an insult. Like that, that's crazy. But, he, but that's, that's how it works. So the shame involved in crucifixion was, was as fatal as, as the crucifixion itself. So it's the combination of pain and shame and, and death all wrapped up in one. Jesus says, are you willing to associate with me even when it's shameful? Because I'm, I'm going to be a crucified man. Are you willing to associate with me, not to deny me, but to confess me before men when, when I'm associated with, with, with the cross? When I'm associated with the thing in your culture that's 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 made fun of or or just like ostracized or or looked at with contempt, are you willing to associate with me as a crucified man, as one who's condemned among criminals, to be misunderstood, to be uh, to be marginalized? 
Are you willing to take up your cross? Because you have to deny yourself to take up your cross. This is, if we're, if we're seeking self-preservation or self-protection, there's no way we're getting anywhere close to, to a cross. But once, you, once you've denied yourself and, and, and said, no, you're the Messiah and this is what it looks like to follow you and I'm denying myself so that I can follow you, then, then he says, now you need to take up your cross and a willingness to bear with me as I enter into uh, onto a road that, that involves not my own self-protection, but my own willingness to, to suffer and die. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must take up... This is one of the most difficult things of Jesus. Because he's, 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 not, he's not trying to sugarcoat anything. He's, he's, Jesus is a realist. And he's being real and saying that, that to follow me involves an association with, with shame and misunderstanding, and contempt, and persecution, and affliction, and this is all part of it. Are you, are you willing, if anyone wishes to, to come after me, understand that this is, this, is a part of, this is a part of it. All to the extent that we must follow him. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must Follow me. Like this is a command as well. It's almost, almost the, like the implication of denying myself, taking up my cross. But then it's, you must actually follow me. You must actually live in according, accordance to, in your actions, a life that, that looks like mine. A life that walks down the roads that I walk down. Right? We can tend to divorce our belief from our behavior if, if we can say that, oh, all I need is all I need is just faith to know that God is there and, and know that He's forgiven me. But Jesus says, "No, I, I want you, if you're going to be my disciple, I need you to follow me." And this is where I'm going. These are the roads that I'm walking. I'm walking into into areas that that, that the, the, the religious community judges. I'm walking into areas that 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 most proper. Uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and, and religious people wouldn't, wouldn't dare to walk. And I'm even going to walk up a hill to a place to be crucified with other condemned criminals. Are you willing to be misunderstood to the extent that you follow me wherever I go? Because you must follow me if you're going to come after me, if you're going to be my disciple. And then, he, and then Jesus, in this, in this uh, scene here, he gives three explanations, or what I would call three fours. So the, the commands are, you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross, and you must follow me. And here's why. Here's three reasons why you must. All these, all these things are necessary. It says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is, this is kind of the, the, the explanation of why we're calling this week lose. Whoever wishes to save his life, whoever wishes to, to preserve and protect your own dignity and your own soul, and even, even save yourself, whoever wishes to, do so, to save yourself and to save your life will, will in fact lose your life. In your, in your holding on to, and you're holding tightly to the things you think will deliver you and save you and, and, and justify you, you actually 
lose your life. This is the way that Jesus is describing it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will, will actually find it. And you're not, you're not finding the same life you lost. You're finding a, you're finding a new life. Right. You're losing the life that you lost and you're finding a new life in Jesus. A life of, forgi- of forgiveness and wholeness and, and restoration. This is the life that you find when you lose your life for the sake of Jesus. The next... Oh, this is, so this is in Matthew 10, just in the, earlier in the book of Matthew, Jesus uses the same language talking to his disciples. He says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. This, this gets at the value of Jesus. Jesus is like, he's saying that if I'm not more valuable to you than anything else in your life, then you're not, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. This is a radical, this is a call, a call to a radical discipleship. This, isn't, this is like, this is intense. Jesus is saying, I'm, I, the, I'm so worthy that, that I need to see your, est, your, your estimation of my worthiness in your life by the way that you follow after me, by the way that you allow for other things in your life to, to be set in relation to my worthiness. So then the second four, the second reason Jesus gives us four. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Paul says in Philippians 3, which we'll look at in life groups this week, he says, everything I've gained, I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and being found in Him. There's this, there's this language involved here of, of like commerce, of profit and gain. Of, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to, ex, ex, I'm going to get this in exchange. It's, it's the language of, of money, really. What would you give? Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan. He says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all this if you bow down to worship me. And Jesus says, go, Satan. I forget his exact response. But he says, no, I will, serve the only, I will only serve God. I'll only worship God. What will the prophet a man, if he, if he gains the whole world, and, and yet the, the price that he has to pay for the whole world is his life, is his soul. That actually, the word soul here is the same word used in the verse before for life. So it's, it's kind of, it would be helpful to read the same word again and again. What would a man give in exchange for his life? So we're, we're, uh, we, we're, we bought a house recently, and so it's, a, it's an old house that needs a lot of work, and I'm constantly thinking, oh, if I could just get this, and if I could, if I could update this room, and if I could you know, finish this thing off, and oh, I just, that means I need more money, and that means... 
but my mind, I'm thinking, if I could get to this place, and if I could, if I could pay for this thing, then I would, then, then I would receive this, this reward. I would, I, would, I would feel better. And Jesus is using a similar type language where he says, what would it profit a man? What would, how, would it, how, would it, how would it help a man? What would, he, what would a man gain if everything he ever wanted, he got? But as he got to the, as he got to the, the, the checkout, he said, oh, it's, it's actually going to cost you your life. Like, would you still, would you still say, okay? Because that, and on both sides of the equation, when it, when it comes to consumerism and, and just trying to get stuff, it, it, it kills us. But also, when, when, we, when we can recognize that everything we ever wanted is found in Jesus, and he says, yeah, the cost is your life. The cost is, is giving up yourself, is dying to yourself, is denying yourself and taking up your cross. Are you still willing to say, yes, I want Jesus? Is he's that valuable? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Would he give his, would he give his life? Because that's what Jesus, is just following Jesus, that's what he's asking for. He says, give me your life. I want everything. I want everything that you, I want your whole life. Will you give it to me? The third four kind of puts, puts this all in context. Where he says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and, and, and will then repay every man according to his deeds. So Peter's, Peter's logic is, if you're the Messiah, then you can't suffer and you can't be killed because the Messiah is not, is, is kingly. The Messiah is, is victorious. And so it's this A to B connection where the Messiah, since you are the Messiah, your trajectory is, is, is upward. And Jesus says, now since I'm the Messiah, my trajectory is, is downward. My trajectory is, is towards sacrificial death. On the backside of, of my suffering is my glory. And that's how, that's how Jesus invites us to, to live. On the backside of our, of our suffering is our glory. On the, on the, on the, after it, death, death comes first, resurrection comes second. Right? We're, we're seeing this, this, this next weekend as we celebrate and rehearse the story of Easter. It's the death of Jesus that allows for his resurrection to happen. It's the death of us that allows for our new life to come up. It's, it's, it's our own death that allows for resurrection to happen. If there's not death, there's not resurrection. If there's not a denial of self, there's not a, a raising up of a new self. Jesus says, I will come in glory and I will repay every man according to his deeds. Will you associate with me And, and, and allow your actions of self-denial and your actions of bearing my cross, of bearing your cross, to, to be showcased so that when I come to judge every man according to his deeds, then, you act, then I can actually see that you're living a life of following me. Because I'm going I'm I'm to see and, and judge according to, what, to, to the deeds that I see. So then, 
as we, as we think about these, this invitation to follow Jesus and what it involves, I want to just talk to, to, to those yet to follow and, the, and to those who have already followed, who are already following. To those yet to follow, just, it's just the invitation to lose your life. To those yet to say yes to Jesus, to those yet to say yes, you're, you're that worth it. The invitation is just die to yourself. Deny yourself. Pick, take up the cross. Now you know what's involved. Now you know this is all involved. When I, when I go out of my way to look like Jesus, I know that's what He's invited me to. For those yet to follow, I just, I just extend the invitation. Follow Jesus. He's that worth it. If He, if he truly is the Messiah which is the revelation that comes at the front end of the story, and he, and he truly is needing to, to suffer and to be killed and then to be resurrected. And, it, and, it, and what it looks like to follow him is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and, and then follow him after you've done that. The invitation then is just to, to recognize that Jesus is coming after you. And will you, will you follow him? And to those who are, to those who are already following, it's just a time to evaluate, evaluate ourselves. Right? Easter weekend is 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 just a week away. Today's Palm Sunday. Today's the day that we celebrate in church in the, in the in the calendar where where Jesus enters into Jerusalem and he's praised, Hosanna in the highest. Praise the God, Son of David. And the expectation is. This is, this, if you're the, you're the Messiah, and, and so it's like with Peter, it's the, it's the logic of Peter. Surely you must not. Surely you must not die. The, the expectation is, is glory and dominion and, and immediate reign. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Palm Sunday. Glory to God in the highest. This is our deliverer. And yet Jesus Jesus. He, he recognizes that, that the road he's walking is, is the road of down, down the road to the cross. So evaluate. At, Luke's version actually says, pick up your cross daily. Are you, are you living a life of denial for the sake of following Jesus? Are you living a life of denying yourself, your own desire to, to, to preserve your life and to hold on to uh, things that, that bring you a sense of comfort, are you willing to follow Jesus down the road that He walks? Don't divorce belief from behavior. If you believe in Jesus, then, 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 then live out the invitation that, that what it looks like to follow Him. The life that we lose is a life of of sin and, and uh, bondage and longing. And the life that we gain in Christ is a life of, of forgiveness and freedom and finding the life we were meant to live in, in Christ. And, and that comes through death to self. That comes through denying our own ways and our own passions 
and recognizing the value of Jesus, that He's so worth it, that He's so real, He's so good, He's so... He's such the Messiah that I'm willing to live my life and deny myself and pick up my cross to prove it. God, we thank You that You are... You're worthy that we're willing to lose our life so we can find a new one in You. But right now, I just pray for, for your, your Spirit to stir us, for us to be able to recognize the value of Jesus who is willing to walk the road to the cross for us, knowing, even, even when He says, deny yourself, he, he then told Peter, you will deny Me three times. Peter confesses, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know Him. He denies You before men. God, we pray that You would strengthen us to confess You, to confess Jesus before the world. God, give us courage and strength to, to, to follow You down this road all the way to the cross. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to close with this quote that I think is really valuable and then we can be dismissed here. It's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and he just says, The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with His death. We give over our lives to His death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. The only man who is dead to his own will can follow Christ. Christ.